I worked at NGOs. I did everything that I thought was like, okay, on paper, I'd be like the best candidate for like one of the top five law schools. And I studied like nonstop for six months. And like the day that I was taking, gonna, gonna take my LSAT, I was sitting in my car, the engine was on, and I just like looked in the rear view mirror. It's like, do I wanna be a lawyer for the rest of my life? You're listening to the podcast, Stories of the Vietnamese Boat People. Hi, I'm Tracy Nguyen Meng, and welcome back. A few weeks ago, I was invited to host a virtual showcase for the Los Angeles Asian Pacific Film Festival, presented by VC Media. My interviewee was Bao Nguyen, an award-winning Vietnamese-American filmmaker whose work has been seen on The New York Times, HBO, NBC, PBS, and more. Bao has directed and produced a number of short films, but what caught my attention the most was his feature debut in 2015 called Live from New York. He made the film about the iconic TV show Saturday Night Live and it premiered nationally on primetime NBC, preceding the 41st season premiere of SNL. It made me proud to know that a Vietnamese American was behind such a a big production. What's also impressive is that Bao recently finished a documentary on another iconic subject, Bruce Lee. Be Water is his latest film, and it will air on ESPN this June 7th. While there's been many documentaries made about Bruce Lee, Bao's film takes a look at Bruce Lee from an Asian American lens. I also discovered through his video reel that he produced a seven minute documentary in 2019 called Where Are You Really From? in which he shares his parents' experiences as boat people. And through that journey, he comes to a new revelation about his own identity. In this episode, we'll share with you short clips from that interview. So Be Water is a film that I've been working on for about five years now. And um, it came about after my uh, last film, Live from New York, because I was just thinking about how to look at iconic figures, iconic institutions in a different perspective. And um, when you think of icons, especially Asian American icons, you think of Bruce Lee. Um, But I think uh, for many people, Bruce Lee is just a name. He's just kind of this uh, cultural icon figure that no one really knows the story about. And part of me wanted to find out who he was as a person to really unpack the myth of Bruce Lee. And so the film kind of delves into more the humanistic side of Bruce Lee, um, talking mostly to people who knew him and uh, not really looking at his legacy so much, um, but looking at his life. I think there's a lot of film, people have a very uh, specific perspective on on how Bruce Lee has impacted their life. And so I wanted to take a somewhat more intimate look and um, really find out, find out like who he was as a person, to find out like what his struggles were, what his fears were especially um, the struggles that he had to face being um, an Asian, Asian American uh, in Hollywood in the late 1960s. And the topic is so timely, right? Because I think we're in a period where Asian Americans' um, voices and narratives 
are becoming a little bit more mainstream. Obviously, there are still obstacles, but not only did you ha- have to do a movie about Bruce Lee, but just the timing of the Asian American story, like that must have been a lot of pressure. A lot of pressure making a film about um, arguably the most famous Asian American figure uh, in history, in a way, um, in modern history. And, um, you know, I didn't try to, to, to approach it in a definitive way. I don't think you can make a definitive film about any subject. And um, I knew that there were a lot of fans and there's a lot of assumptions about Bruce Lee. And for me, I, I wanted to make a film that felt somewhat personal uh, to me and my story of how, how I first um, found out about Bruce Lee, how I first you know, fell in love with Bruce Lee and everything he stood for. And I think, um, again, the Asian American story of Bruce Lee hasn't been told as often as the global icon, the martial artist, the, the, the film superstar. And um, being an Asian American myself, uh, that in a way took off some of the pressure because I, I made a film that I felt like only I could make because I had a, a very specific approach that I, I, was, I held on to throughout the process of the film. Um, at the same time, um, by talking to the people who, who knew him uh, most intimately, I learned a lot that I wouldn't have gotten from, from talking to, to someone who could only speak about him in, again, like uh, a fan uh, point of view or through, through his legacy. And, um, you know, there, there are a lot of Bruce Lee documentaries out there and surely there will be more to come. Uh, so then, um, again, this is my take on Bruce Lee. Yeah, I love that you said that because it's, it is um, his story through an Asian American lens. And I think that is what was resonated for me and made it different from some of the others that were, have been made. Um, so with that, I actually wanna dig into your background a little bit. So you were born in Maryland. Your parents are Vietnamese refugees. They came here in 1979. And in fact, you made a short documentary about it. I think it was just last year. So for you, uh, when you were making that documentary, and I think it was called Where Are You Really From? Um, It premiered in 2019 Tribeca Film Festival. I know that when I was watching the film, your mom had mentioned that your sister was six months old, you weren't born yet. And when they finally fled the country successfully, it was their seventh attempt. Like what an extraordinary story. So did you know about their past before making this short documentary? I mean, obviously I knew that they were part of uh, the quote unquote boat people experience, um, but I didn't know the specifics of their story. Uh, it was always something that I was afraid to ask them because it seems like such a traumatic experience and um, you don't want to bring up and open up these wounds that you feel like maybe your parents have already healed from or they've gotten past. Um, but, you know, I think I was at a period in my life uh, last year and the year before where uh, I knew that I sort of, in a way, had to reconcile a lot of the issues that I had with my parents and and my expectations with them. Um, you know, growing up, uh, in an immigrant family, I was born in America. My expectations of of my parents and their obligations as parents are 
is very skewed because of of the culture, the American culture that I've been growing up in at the time. And um, I felt like in order to have this sort of empathy for where they came from and their journey, I had to find out for myself. And I think as a documentary, you know, when I do documentary films, I expect so much from the people I interview from the subjects that I'm exploring that it would be a bit hypocritical for me to think that I wouldn't be able to explore my own history, my own story. And it was definitely the most personal film that I've ever made. Um, and it's something that I think obviously gave me a deeper appreciation for my parents' journey and uh, gave me that empathy that I was looking for that helped um, heal a lot of wounds, just not not just with my parents, but also within myself and and how I looked at my relationship with them. Yeah, so I know like the, the history is very traumatizing for some. Um, I mean, even with our podcast, you know, we always get sort of mixed reactions or feelings from people, whether or not they want to share their stories. So when you asked your parents to share their story in this documentary, like what was their reaction? Um, I told them, yeah, this is a project that I want to do. It's good to kind of like document it. Like, I mean, the funny thing is after I did the film, my parents wanted me to, you know, this is how I know that maybe they're actually finally proud of me and what I'm doing. They're like, oh, when are you going to make like a bigger film about our story? <laughs> like a whole story in a film, in a feature film. Uh, so hearing that helped ease kind of the, the hesitation I had to, towards asking them in the first place. Yeah, and in that documentary, you had made uh, a statement that you were teased and bullied a lot growing up. So um, what were you like in high school? Tell us what your childhood was like. My childhood or high school, they're very different. <laughs> they're two different. Yeah. Well, let's start with your childhood. My childhood, um, I spent a lot of my childhood with my sister, my older sister, who's about five years older than me. And um, because my parents, they, they were shopkeepers. They ran a small business. They were working from 10 a.m. till you know, close to 9 p.m., six days a week. And uh, it was my sister and I really taking care of each other uh, at home. And so my sister and I had a really close relationship. So a lot of the stories, the best memories of my childhood really, uh, you know, emanate from, from that relationship. Um, in terms of other parts of my childhood, I would say I remember working at my parents' uh, store sometimes, usually on the weekends. Um, and they would basically make me work from you know, 10 a.m. to 8 p.m. Um, and I started working there when I was five years old. And I was, uh, I think maybe this is where some of the resentment came from because as a five-year-old, you know, just starting school and then every day I, I kind of, or every Saturday I remember like, all the kids kind of playing outside and I was just like looking at them from the back windshield like just drifting away having fun while I'm going to work at the age of five. What did they make you do at five? Uh, so they made me handle the cash. <laughs> <laughs> Were you good at math? <laughs> no I was not and I'm still not good at math but I'm good with money I would I guess. Um, I guess they maybe my 
my morality and I didn't know how to spend money. So I'm like the perfect person to kind of handle the money. Uh, so I was a cashier and uh, we owned a fabric store at the time. So my, my sister was, she was the one who cut the fabric. So she would write up all these invoices. She would cut the fabric, write the invoice for the customer and they would come to the cash register and give me the invoice and the fabric. And I, at, at first, you know, if you saw like a little five-year-old Vietnamese boy behind a register, you're like, oh, that's so cute. But I was the one, you know, taking the money. So at first they, they wouldn't believe that I would be the one ringing them up. And I would just like sometimes just grab the invoice from them when they were like hesitant. And then I would just like go really fast and just blow their mind. Um, <laughs> I can just imagine you with like a pencil in your ear, <laughs> one of those hats and exactly. a little, <laughs> a little note, notebook on my <laughs> pocket. Um, and so, you know, they were most, if not everyone is really impressed to see this little Asian boy, uh, ringing them up. And after a while I, you know, I got a tip from one person and I was like, oh, I can like make more money doing this. So I put a tip jar in front of a <laughs> cash register and got a little extra money. Of course, my parents took it, but it's okay. Um, See, there you go. Good with money. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I would be the one counting the cash at the end of the night too. So, uh, so did you always want to be in the creative field? Like, did you always want to make films? Not at all, actually. Uh, I think I was always on the path to either being a doctor or a lawyer or some profession that had quote unquote stability. And um, was that your parents influence? I don't want to say of course, but there is, you know, obvious reasons where you, you kind of see your parents as immigrants and you see them working, you know, 10 to nine almost every day. And you're like, you want to find a job. I don't know if a doctor or a lawyer wouldn't work as hard as that, but I find a job that pays quite well and that has stability. And um, I think I maybe put that burden on myself too, because I don't think there was like any explicit conversation with my parents. It's kind of like that nuanced parent parental thing where they just like shame you without actually telling you anything. I know. Um, Sometimes it's a look, but that was enough. Exactly. <laughs> Um, but I think, you know, in hindsight, looking at my childhood and, and the things that I did. So going back to when I was a cashier, um, you know, I, it was like the early nineties or late eighties and, um, there weren't iPads. My parents weren't going to buy me like a Game Boy or really any toys. So the only thing that I had to keep myself occupied were these invoices that people would like so the back of these invoices were were blank and uh, there was like a pen on the table and I would end up just sketching and drawing for you know eight nine hours uh non-stop so by the end of the day the 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 trash bin next to the cash register was just full of my sketches and drawings and again looking back at it now it's just like a kid trying to occupy himself but I was like drawing out scenes of stories and they were like whole things with beginning, middle and ends. Like, and, and it looks as a filmmaker. Now I realize I was like storyboarding. Cause you were studying to be a lawyer. I mean, that's like drastically different. So at what point were you just like, forget it. <laughs> I'm going to go after my dreams. Well, it was, 
I was still studying for my LSAT. I was like doing all the things I needed to be to be a lawyer. I was, I wanted to be international law um, attorney or human rights law. And so I, I joined AmeriCorps after I graduated college. I went to the Peace Corps for a little bit. I, I worked at NGOs. I did everything that I thought was like, okay, on paper, I'd be like the best candidate for like one of the top five law schools. And I studied like nonstop for six months. And like the day that I was taking, gonna take my LSAT, I was sitting in my car, the engine was on, and I just like looked in the rearview mirror. It's like, do I wanna be a lawyer for the rest of my life? And you know, it was just a split second decision. I just turned off the engine and I went back to bed and I didn't take the LSAT and I didn't tell my parents I didn't take the LSAT. I, I just felt this creative urge in me to, to not be a lawyer and just to pursue something different. And I knew film, like visual arts was always my passion. I actually want to read a quote in that film you made, uh, Where Are You Really From? Your self-documentary. So you wrote, in America, I feel Vietnamese, but everywhere else I feel American. So I think a lot of Asian Americans feel that way as well. Um, can you elaborate on that statement, what you were trying to say? It's funny, like that statement comes from like a drunk night in Paris in a way. Um, Cause I, I was hanging out with like my very Parisian friends and they're just, you know, they, they just tell me, oh, you're so American, you're so American. And they mean it in kind of a demeaning way. But I was like, that's like the greatest thing that you can tell an Asian American, <laughs> I was like that they're so American. And I just remember, I was like, this is amazing. Just like feel ownership over that identity. Like that, you know, maybe on the outside, people don't know exactly what I am. They question that. But if there's a way that I express myself when I travel or when I'm in a different country and people identify that clearly as American, there's a sense of pride in that for me because like, like I was saying in that quote, when you're in America, we will wear our race on our face, right? I think in your f short film with your parents, they were also talking about whether or not they identify themselves as Vietnamese or Vietnamese Americans or Americans. In the film, they, when I asked them that question, do you feel more American or do you feel more Vietnamese? It, I was very surprised by the answer because my mom says she feels American. Yeah. And my dad feels Vietnamese. And my dad is much more assimilated than my mom because he took English classes when he first arrived. And my mom feels ethnic, culturally more Vietnamese. And so, yeah, that, that answer always threw me off. But it's, again, it's, again, this um, kind of... Uh, pollination of our identity uh, that is interesting um but to answer your question about whether they've seen the film my films they've seen that film and they've seen live from new york um it's a funny story with live from new york is that um we had the honor of being the opening night film of the tribeca film festival a few few years back and um, my parents who both kind of traveled back and forth between vietnam and the states they were living in vietnam at the time so i flew them over to new york city for the premiere and uh, because it's like the opening night of Tribeca, it's a big gala opening in a 3,000 seat theater, the Bacon Theater, which is a beautiful theater. And um, it's also like $350 a ticket because it's like a benefit. And so my mom, she was like looking at the 
capacity of the theater, like starting to count how many people were there, like 3,000 people, and then looked at my, at the at the ticket, and she's like, oh, like 350 times like 3,000. That was going to be like rich. <laughs> That's like the first thing she said. She surely didn't understand the movie that much, but then she's like, oh, you're going to make a lot of money tonight. I was like, okay. That's, that's, it feels like, okay, I finally feel a sense of pride for my parents, even though <laughs> not, that, not of money. So I know, that's that film, super then, cute. Yeah, that's, that was, that's like the, I don't want to take them to any other film after that, because that's like the best, like Robert De Niro introduced me. It was like, I can't really, uh, and did they that. know who he was? My, I'm sure my sister like whispered, "Oh, he's famous or rich." <laughs> my dad knew, knows who he is. Um, but yeah, it's like uh, nothing can top that. So everything else will be a disappointment. So I, I can't take them to anything else. Do you think you will ever make a film about your parents' story? Um, <laughs> don't hold me to that. They might watch this and they're like, "Well, you said this. This is this is where the LSAT training, the the lawyer training. Like, don't say anything. Don't answer the question unless you know I'm prepared to go back it up. Um, I mean, I I do think that story in general, the story of refugees, of the Vietnamese experience coming and leaving, coming to America or coming to a new land, leaving their old homeland, is a story that I'd, I'd love to tell. And there's so many people already telling that story as well. If I have the opportunity to tell it, I wouldn't, I would jump at it. But, I, you know, sometimes people think like, oh, why do you want to tell a story that's so uh, sad and depressing, but I think um, it's important for our community um, to build this mythology that hasn't been formed by us. It's been formed by Western lens, Western lens of, of our experience through, through the lens of the American soldier, through the lens of, mm. of the American war, and not so much the lens of the diaspora. Uh, so I think it's important that uh, for future generations and in our own generations, because again, like it took me till last year to ask my parents this story, that this mythology helps uh, solidify who we are as, as, a, as a group. Despite all his film accomplishments, there's no arrogance to Bao whatsoever. As you heard, he's super chill and laid back. We chatted more about his upbringing and his experiences in making films in Vietnam. He also shared how his film career took off because he was in the right place at the right time and working for the right president. That is the first Obama campaign. To check out the full interview, search for Visual Communications Media on YouTube or go to www.vietnameseboatpeople.org forward slash videocast. And to connect with Bao directly, visit our Instagram page at Vietnamese Boat People and look for details under episode 19. I'm Tracy Nguyen Meng, and thank you for helping us preserve history. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast app. And please take a moment to rate us and provide us feedback. And if you have a story to share, contact us at stories at vietnameseboatpeople.org.